dead bod rap pod i'm going to attempt to do a proper introduction there's like maybe two-thirds of the shows we never fucking say who we are like what is the podcast about like we're breaking all the commandments this but could have something to do with where we stand in the podcast universe right right <laughs> right so my name is um damone and i'm a scorpio uh aka dim one uh i'm joined by the infamous dave ma it's really good to be here guys i feel like a bangle it's a manic monday <laughs> I'm out of here. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, I also feel like a bagel. <laughs> kind of always. <laughs> and the rap game, Belinda Carlisle, Mr. <laughs> Nate LeBlanc. What's up, everybody? Um, yeah, I, okay, very brief story because you brought up astrology. Like, a lot of my friends believe in astrology, and I don't. I don't, like, think horoscopes or anything are real, but I have a friend. Her name is Natalie. Nat, if you're listening, shout out. Uh, she did my chart once. And it blew my mind. Right. Like she read me, dude. Right. Like she like she was saying like my deepest fears, my like <laughs> things that no one knows. But she could somehow tell from where the stars were when I was born. I had to like mm -hmm. I was in L.A. at the time. I had to like text my mom and be like, what time was I born kind of thing. And she really? like went in the corner and did whatever it is she does and like came back. And like it was in a room of like my closest friends. And she just like was like so you're like this and you think this and it was all it was like is that it right blew my wow mind dude but like, even then you don't believe in it well that was a that was an incredible experience but <laughs> i don't know if like i need to like check out fortune cookies or like you know like fortune cookies not the same thing but wow you know, like, that was racist horos <laughs> horoscopes what is your sign i'm a scorpio oh yeah no no yeah. I, I i also don't but i'm believe not like horny all the time or mean Oh, you know, come on. Nate. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say I, I, the living embodiment. Of I, I guess I'm a Scorpio. Uh, I'm scared. <laughs> no, what, what is your sign? Dave? I'm an Aquarius, actually. Uh, this is your age. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Speaking of which, since we're we're ultimate riffing here, um, I just was like this week years old when I figured out all the Galt McDermott um amazing shit that he's done because you're saying age of aquarius incredible, oh, God. Yeah, incredible yeah, career, yeah. dude. no i'm just i for some reason like i've heard all the joints incredible as separate things and when i just sat down and like listened to galt mcdermott for like an hour and i was like this dude is the fucking god like yes. are you one kidding of the best me? composers of our time dave actually did one of the last big stories did, on him and knows his family and stuff yes yeah, it was really cool i actually uh, got to a pretty in-depth piece with him for Red Bull Music Academy right before he died. And um, even even setting up that interview, his family was like, look, look, you know, time's running out. So wow. I definitely felt the gravity wow. of that. Yeah, he, he his contributions. One day we'll do a sample source oh, show. Yeah. Um, and his contributions just so heavy. man. And he's one of those dudes where it's like, oh, I recognize the sample. But then when you hear the entire composition, oh it's mind blowing. Yeah, yeah, it's so yeah, beautiful. Yeah. And yeah. it's like... Um, based in piano but he had such expressive feel for mm -hmm. the other instruments like doing hair is obviously going to be the thing he's known for right. in right. like you know modern society or whatever but right. like the kilmarnock which was his like kind of label his private label there's just incredible right, music right. um egon from now again had like a personal relationship he was basically like kind of like an apprentice is of that right? and and wow. lived and lived in like the a unit above his garage and helped him categorize and like sort Whoa, the music right. and became very close with him. There's a great piece that Ethan Egon wrote 
Um, okay. I think right after Galt passed, yeah. about that time in his life, and he he had been working at like a major label, and he wanted to do his own label, and this before he even worked at Stone's Throw. Okay, he had this like long period where he was like going to New York and buying records at like Sound Library and A One. Mm-hmm. And then going back to, I think it's Connecticut, where he's from and where Galt was living, or upstate New York. I can't remember exactly. It was a long time ago since I read it. But it's an incredible piece. And, like, he's so thoughtful and such a good writer. And it's just, like, if you want to know what Galt was like, that's a good place to start. But then it's just, it's in the music. Totally. totally. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was was completely, you know, I have that Elmo with the atomic bomb. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Meme. Yeah, that was me this weekend. Ripped Open by Metal Explosions is one of the greatest songs Totally, totally. It's such a beautiful, like, psychedelic funk song and then coffee mm. cold which is oh the the piano loop for uh handsome boy modeling school right. the truth is totally like, that i mean that it's like where goosebumps. where you're you're kind of like certain musicians just had their hand in the fucking future totally mm-hmm. well like uh, well gold actually um he attended uh, cape town university so he studied african music in south africa mm. so okay. I mean, there you go okay you know so and he, uh during our interview he would talk about how he couldn't find good rhythms anywhere else in the world it's wow like, well okay you grew up in the epicenter yeah, yeah. Go, to, go to the source. And he studied it, so. Man. Man, so I'm, yeah. Cool ass name, too. Galt. Right? I know. Yeah, right? That's sick. Yeah, so I'm I'm maybe uh, a little late to the party, but I'm, I'm definitely. He's I'm a genius. Yeah. He's a yeah. total genius. He's, uh, he's up there with, like, the great sample source gods, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. it's almost like disrespecting the quality. Exactly. Of it's like, just sample just source. Like, yeah. Of it as, like. Yeah. Yeah, just right. sample sources. It's just it's beautiful music. Right. right. The right. Axelrods and the Bob James. So they're they're more than just sample sources. To Axelrod. It's like a, right. such a they were on like a similar vibe. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. No, we'll we'll do a sample source show one day for sure. We could for do sure. a sample source podcast. That's mm. right. It's like we have a lot of material on that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> Putting the record collections to work. Uh, speaking of geniuses, Nate's favorite genius, Kanye West, um, <laughs> recently had a, a weird, um, creepy cookout. Like, what is this? What's going on? Oh, What's you, guys, got going? you guys aren't wearing the $80 socks? Now, <laughs> I have on the smock right now, the beige smock that you can buy for like. I did my hair purple. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we're in here. Yeah. What, what is it called? It's, uh, it's called Sunday Service. Okay. So the second weekend of Coachella, um, they, instead of doing. A performance at Coachella he did this thing and he's I guess he's been doing it for a while and mm-hmm. like Calabasas or wherever he lives and like he brings out gospel musicians and they do like he plays like the MPC and mm-hmm. like some keyboards and oh they this do, is like, that video shit that I saw okay, yeah they, okay. they do like it there's like drummers and musicians and then like kind of like a chorus that kind of goes around mm-hmm. in circles very cult-like imagery everybody dresses the same mm-hmm. um and then they like he does like interpolations of popular songs and like in his gospel style, which is kind of like Kirk Franklin yeah. Yeah, style yeah. gospel. Sure. Right. sure. As far as I can tell, I don't listen to a ton of gospel, especially not like nineties pop gospel. But right. um we we my wife and I watched a little bit of it on the weird pinhole camera the live stream from Coachella, and I'm like, if Kanye's point here is to get secular people to appreciate gospel music more. Mm-hmm. This is working. Okay. I'm right. like I'm liking this this the vibe, um, the sound. The like 
arrangements, especially of the pop songs. Okay. Mm -hmm. But like Kid Cudi's there, like going like, (laughs) (laughs) and like doing their parts of the songs. Chance the Rapper was there mostly dancing. But if, but like when it's time for like, you know, um, what is Ultralight Beam? Right. right, You don't have Chance there. He's going to be at Coachella anyway, right? So it was long, dude. It was like many hours, and we had other stuff to do that day. So I watched it for like an hour in the morning. It was pleasant enough. Yeah. Starting your Sunday morning with Kanye? Yeah. And like sometimes I do listen to God. To some gospel, I'm not a religious person, but I I like music, so right. I have a couple gospel records I really like. Mostly these numero group compilations called Good God. They're mm-hmm. like funky gospel. Okay. That's where I learned about Pastor T. L. Barrett right. and like a bunch of like other cool funky gospel. Um, there's also a a Bay Area group called the Dixie Bells that has mm. the sample source for um, Black Alicious Clockwork. Work, yeah. That song's beautiful. So it's, I have a couple things I'll bust out. Yeah, um, but yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Little culty. Little Kanye Koresh yeah, yeah. in the in the building. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Koresh. That's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to hear different versions of, you know, uh, Pablo and stuff, but it was really just way too indulgent, as you would expect it to be. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's it's such a, a a wild character arc for the guy. I just it's just But if you would have told me like, you know, when he's in the pink polo era, like this guy ends up cult leader. Yeah. I wouldn't have been that surprised, I don't think. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess, I guess it's always he's always been running some type of cult, right? He, oh, Jesus walks was his not his first big hit because that's through the wire, but it was right. the one right building right after. Sure, that. And it's just mm-hmm. like sure. he's been pushing this agenda in his way, certainly. But he also has like these crazy dirtbag songs, so it's like and then side by side, which is why I love Pablo, right? Because it was like it was that it was that juxtaposed. juxtaposed of of. Good and evil, as it were. Totally. Right. Then he um, gets bleach on his T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Worst opening line ever. Worst. I don't Worst. know. It's very memorable. <laughs> <laughs> is, a, is the worst opening line the one you just never think about again? Uh, uh, I know yeah. what to get Nate for his birthday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. So okay, Kanye performing cult services what did you think at Coachella. Um, I only saw like minute clips of it and, and i'm clips. and i'm i'm really i'm frightened of kanye at this point i just i don't i don't it, i'm a I'm no a, one man should have all that power <laughs> <laughs> i'm afraid to engage with it because i'm just like i'm gonna end up regretting this shit six months from now like he's he's doing something that is not right there's like, something about his energy to like it kind of a little bit <laughs> i mean if you think about it um as as crazy and off the rails as he was last year he made some of the best production last year still he still did um Daytona. If yeah you know you know I mean, yeah yeah so so it's kind of like this weird um he's still producing at a high level but he's such a fucking weirdo that i can't put anything past him mm-hmm. like i'm just i'm really i'm more kind of like uh. i don't know if you guys saw this um he in the cu- past couple of seasons of keeping up with the Kardashians, he's just, he'll be like walking through the room or whatever, but he's not like a character on the show. He's like referred to, but he doesn't do the little mm-hmm. interviews and he like didn't, they don't just constantly film him. Right. This season, he's fully doing it. Oh, oh really? is he? Yeah, okay. he's going to, he'll be, he'll be a character on the show and okay. he'll be. Um, is this like a reform of his, of his image? Is it kind of like, d- don't remember all the Trump shit? I think he's been in the family long enough and this is the family business and now he's on board okay that's yeah. how i'm reading it okay. as like yeah. a, a kanye fan from afar who's very disappointed in his his trajectory yeah, they probably got a trillion dollars so go for it you know right yeah yeah 20 minute episode oh uh, my goodness who would have thunk it um also i was today years old when i found out that uh positive k's signature hit i got a man 
Um, what you mean got to do with me? <laughs> that he pitched up his voice and he was the female voice. Yeah, early Quasimodo, dude. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Unicron. I, I was like saying it like amongst us hip hop bros. Like, oh, you, did you know people don't know that? And you're like, I don't know. That. I didn't know I was, that. I was blown away. No, no, I'm I'm upfront with my uh, my ignorance as well. I can still same. have still have fun with the genre, but yeah. that one I actually should have known. I didn't but know that till years later. So it's not like I knew because it sounds grade. he has a an authentic kind of New I think York. He's, he's Doing a nasal, like, kind of female voice and right. pitching it up. Gotcha. That's what it sounds like to me. It's not just his normal voice and then taking it up a couple octaves. Right. That's right. what I think. I have no idea. Who, who was the first person to do that, though? Who was the first to pitch up? To pitch up? I don't know. To switch up, maybe maybe Slick Rick. Slick Rick, right? Well, right. Up, right? Yeah, I don't think... Well, he does the... Uh, doesn't he do the mom's voice mm-hmm, in... Mm-hmm. Uh, but is it Lottie Dottie? But saying. he's just doing a right. voice. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. I... Is it Unicron? I know Biggie. Unicron? Biggie. Uh, Biggie, Biggie we, we did it. About that. Yeah. If you have answers, the first, but I would be really curious to see. Yeah. Yeah. Listeners yeah. out there. Yeah. Yeah. Please. Uh, yep. Please hit us up at Dad Bod Rap Pod on Twitter, um, at Dad Bod Rap Pod on IG. Um, our IG was hurting the ten days that Nate <laughs> was out of uh, <laughs> out of the country. I'm just gonna own that. Um, but we are we are back on. Taking pictures of arcane hip hoppy things. Still waiting for that Chuck D doll. <laughs> oh, that's, that's right, right dude. dude. So, so here's how much of a lame I am. Um, I was like, we just did a show the the other weekend called Saturday. Saturday yeah. called Bring the Noise. Yep. I'm like, I'm gonna take a picture of this shit. I'm gonna post it. We are gonna hype the show up. Right. I'm gonna bring the noise. Oh, <laughs> didn't do it. Yeah. Didn't do uh, it. Bring the toys. Bring the toys. Oh. Best tweets that never happened. I know. Um, so so I'm going to I'm going to work on my IG game. It's a, it's a little it's sad honestly. Um, <laughs> it's really it's really sad. I have like I have stuff to promote now and that's like one of my mm-hmm. platforms so I'm like I'd rather put like this artistic picture of this tree that I took on my hike but Same. I have to put this flyer for this show cuz I have responsibilities. Responsibilities in this piece. And and the show was show was dope. Uh yeah, yeah. shout out to uh Cut So Big Hungry uh, Edgewise, Pattern. Uh, yeah, DJ Pattern. Um, it was dope. We were actually all out in a in a location that wasn't our bunker. Yeah. to do recording, <laughs> which was always dope. Um, I realized the whole the whole squad smokes like fucking chimneys, bro. Isn't that so interesting? <laughs> yeah, people still smoke. Yeah, I had no idea, dude. I went home smelling like Vegas and shit. Yeah, dude. it's like that outfit <laughs> has to get completely washed, breezed. <laughs> yeah, for breezed down. One of the reasons I don't like having the label meetings at night and stuff is just like, I'm like, I don't want to like smoke. Like I, I smoked two cigarettes at the show. Like oh, so the first right. ones in a year. Wow. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Like yeah. I had completely stopped. Like, like, okay. yeah. Cause we don't work together. Right. anymore. <laughs> it's like, this is team my nicotine connect. And like, <laughs> I do like to be outside with everybody. I hang out outside at almost every function and that's where the smokers are. And that's where yeah. always the fun people are. But yeah, dude, it's like, I, I really felt it in my chest and my throat Ooh. the next day. And like, it was no good, dude. Like, I, I really need to stop doing Black that. Black lung posse. Yeah. Mount up. Needle but to the groove. I didn't bring my little tea tree toothpicks, and I had my vape pen, but I didn't want to get too high, so I couldn't drive home. So okay. I just ended up smoking like a fucking chump. But <laughs> what are you going to do? What are you going to do? It's hip-hop, uh, and we're glad to bring it to you. Our show is incredibly fucking expansive. I'm just going to – somebody commented on our um, – on our Nas, uh, our Nas retrospective, Illmatic retrospective piece, 
that we went all the way from fucking Little Nas X <laughs> to Nas <laughs> in one episode. My seamlessly. mind is like uh, all constantly thinking of puns, though. So I think of, of those two things as completely totally. connected. As, as, absolutely. Like, absolutely. Dude, I don't know if you guys saw this. Um, Diplo's new album is Country. And so I'm going to forget who tweeted this. I'm sorry, person who's better at Twitter than us. They were like, of course, Diplo would wait until the one time in the last 150 years that it's a culturally appropriating (laughs) black people to get in the country. (laughs) But then he literally brought out Billy Ray and Lil Nas X at his show for Lil Nas X's first ever performance. Is that right? Is at this like huge festival in front of like 50,000 people. Okay. And this is. I don't know if nerdy is the right term, but this is what A Star is Born is about. Mm. Uh, Bradley Cooper brings out Lady Gaga at that show in that venue. Oh, so, in the same exact spot? Yes. Jeez. So take that take that for what you will. A wow. Yeah, A Little Nas is Born, dude. <laughs> a Little Nas is Born. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you should have to pay for this. <laughs> this is pay-per-view right what here. Bradley Cooper making out with Lil Nas? Okay. <laughs> Oh, man. It's like growling. I like that Billy Ray. (laughs) Diplo the vampire doing his work again. Dude. Um, Diplo tweeted a tweet supporting journalists, though, which was cool. After Lizzo, who is uh, beloved by music critics, said that all music critics who aren't, like, don't also make music should be unemployed. Yeah, and it was so but, many, but, funny it, how many people were like, "Oh, we already we are, are." Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> so you don't need to worry about that. Totally. None of totally. us. Are, I don't know what you think blogging is, but right? Oh exactly. man, that is hilarious. They should be. Unemployed. That was a that was a very bad look for her. I'm Terrible. a fan of hers. Like Me? I've been a yeah, fan yeah, of hers yeah. for years, and I'm Same just too. like, damn, dude, that sucks. Like, yeah, like you got song. a kind of good review in Pitchfork, and you freaked out. Totally. Well, what's she getting Pitchfork? What was her number? Six point four. Okay, but people like the album. She's coming off of a good response. It's like it you're going to pick the one fucking thing. It's a good review. Right? <laughs> so, but, but here's the thing. A one or a two or right. whatever. Right. It's like you almost get right. more famous for getting panned, especially totally. in old right. school Pitchfork. Now it's kind of like all other magazines. Right. But yeah. Look, if Jeff Weiss didn't do an 800, you know, word hit piece on you, you're good. Yeah. Like, you're, you're doing it. <laughs> totally. Right. No, but rappers are really thin-skinned when it comes to reviews, and that's always been the case. And that's yeah. why I kind of like I feel like hip hop journalism in this is not the writer episode part three. But uh, I think that hip hop journalism suffers because to be overly critical is to then say you're not going to have access. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's not just hip hop journalism. It's all journalism. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. That before there was like having an opinion and now it's like you're a hater. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah. that's like a bad thing that's yeah. entered the discourse that anyone can say at any right. time, and like the literal fucking president right, says right. it constantly. Right. So and, and how we're she, in a bad place. How she used blogger as well. It's like, come on, dude. I mean, some people are journalists and some are bloggers. Yeah, like, you can't just you know. And some are podcasters. Like <laughs> and we, and we wear the box. term proudly sometimes. Totally. I I remember seeing her on uh, an episode of Party Legends, that Vice show where oh. people tell. Yep. Stories, I love that show. I, this was probably three or four years ago, and I was like, who is this person? She is like walking charisma. Yeah. I had to find out who she was, and then I was like, oh, her music bangs. Like, yeah. She's tight, but I don't consider her a rapper. Me neither. If really? we're going to go brass tacks here. Agreed. Like, yeah. and I, really? You know, I, I, she is a mus- musician who sings, kind of raps. and In and, and, and the Missy Elliott mold is how I usually describe it. Like she, there's a Missy, Missy Elliott. Missy Elliott raps rapper. more than she does. Should? Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no. They have a track. Uh, Missy is on her new album. Oh, is she? Yeah, okay. the track called okay. Tempo. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, that, All was, right. that was kind of disappointing. 
Yeah. But yeah, then Diplo uh, came out yeah. and like was like, oh no, we need we need music critics. Yeah, yeah to oh, fuck yeah. with my new country album. Totally, totally. totally. Called Dude, played Diplo. New Town Country Road. I'm sure I've <laughs> talked about this all the time, but like I have like been a huge fan of his since the beginning, like from his mixtapes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like where he is now is insane. It's just crazy. His, yeah. His, his like transformation right. well, into I mean, like weird waves. like dirtbag shirtless mm-hmm. like pop I don't know what he is like he's like he DJ is not really the right term anymore yeah producer I mean, yeah. DJ artist like kind of vampire figure yeah you know yeah I, he's, I, he's he's Madonna yeah right 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 which is kind of yeah well good for him uh I don't want to be a hater uh <laughs> I will see what is his new country joint sounds like I won't but maybe y'all will <laughs> uh on this program because again we're super expensive uh we have mcjb of jj fed was kind enough to talk to us um and for those that don't know jj fed um was the the first hit record that ruthless put out um supersonic in 1988 this is the 30th anniversary um, of that release and she was super cool. Talked to us about, you know, all the characters that were in the universe at that time. Dr. Dre, Easy e uh, Jerry Heller. So dope kind of inside stories, how she felt about the uh, the NWA biopic and, and how J.J. Fad was depicted in that. Um, so can I before you yeah. launch into the sure thing? I just want to say this. I don't know if most people think about this, but I like think about this a lot the memorable part of supersonic which is their big hit is not until the very end like ah. pe- i think people think the s is for the super and the u is for unique is the is at the beginning no no and no. so like i've i've we used to have this dj night and i would play it like pretty often because it was that kind of party right and people would be like what is this like right, what's right. i'm like this is your favorite song that you would purport to love supersonic it's like right. the first 230 or whatever or the like oh, the rest of I, the song, I see, I see. and then the part that you identify so much with the song is at the end. It's is the, that is that because of mix shows? Of the third verse is it the mix show that kind of like I think truncates it's it? It's the best part of the song. I don't know okay. why, like, why okay. but like yeah, that like, that part that you would think that to, for me is like it is the song kind of really. Like, yeah, it's like that's the cool. Uh, part. The last bar is mine. That's what I. <laughs> Which is <laughs> Yeah, that was it. That was it. Right, Dad Bod Rap Pod. Always dope interviews, guests that have helped shape the culture. On the line right now, we have MCJB from JJ Fad. How's it going? Hey, what's up? Doing all right. Doing all right. Thanks for joining us. Um, we want to talk about uh, a couple things. This is the 30th anniversary of uh, your first album coming out. Um, but can you take us back a little bit to like? How did you guys get started as an all-female hip-hop crew that was five deep in the beginning, correct? 
Yes, yes. So what happened was um, we were friends with Arabian Prince and Dre, and we were um, we were all just kind of hanging out. I live in the Inland Empire, Rialto, and we just had like a brainstorm. We're like, hey, let's just send Salt and Pepper out, and they're on the East Coast, and they're getting all the love. There's no mm-hmm. West Coast group, so let's try to form one. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, well, I'll hold auditions in my mom's den. <laughs> <laughs> so we held auditions. We came out with five people, and we went and recorded with Arabian Prince, and then the five of us um, kind of split up after that. And then at that point, it was just me and Baby D. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. And so at that point, we went to Dream Team Records, and we were part of uh, – we were signed with the L.A. Dream Team. Mm-hmm. So uh, we re-recorded – no, I, I, we took that record to the L.A. Dream Team, and then they released it on a, kind of like a larger scale. Mm-hmm. And then it started to get some some love, you know. And then at that at that time, Easy E and Dre and they were all in the studio working on an NWA album. And Jerry Heller, which was the manager at the time, was like, "I don't know how this is going to be accepted, and this is a new label, so we need to put something out there that everybody can hear, so it kind of legitimizes the label." Mm. So they went to the Dream Team and said, "Hey, we want these artists. We want these girls." could you sell them to us? Could you, you know, whatever. And they were like, <laughs> I know it's like, what are they hoes? <laughs> so, so, um, they worked out something and then we went over to ruthless records and then we re-recorded it. And that's when the version that says there's three of us, uh, okay. um, uh, Rudy party from the dream team. I have to go back. He introduced us to sassy C, which became the third member before we went over to ruthless. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So then there was three of us, and then we re-recorded with Dre at the helm. So it changed the whole sound, um, not like drastically, but just gave it more bottom, more bass, and just mm-hmm. he's such a perfectionist that he just made it sound like ten times better than the original recording. Mm. So we recorded it with them. We went out on Ruthless Records. It got picked up and distributed by Atlantic, and that's when it just took off from that point. Wow! Wow! Well, you know, your, your history is, I mean, it's just filled with so many colorful characters and, and important icons. Um, you know, I've, I've always been really curious. Um, how did Easy e strike you? And, you know, how was that first time meeting Easy? Oh, he was hilarious. He is so funny. <laughs> I don't know, but he's really funny. Like, really funny. Like, he has the best sense of humor ever. So we were always laughing, always cracking up. And he was the most generous person in the entire world. He would give mm. you the shirt on his back and wouldn't even hesitate. I don't care if it was raining outside. Mm. He would do whatever you wanted him to do or you asked him to do. He was there for you. Gotcha. And, you know, how did he sort of compare to Dre on, on the on the other hand? Um, Dre was – he was all business, mm. you know? So he was, I mean, he was like super nice too and funny. He was funny as well. But when you went to the studio to work, you went to the studio to work. Mm. Then on the downtime, that's when he was like, he was heck of funny too. Like we would like play tag in the studio. (laughs) So so yeah, so it was like, we were kids, you know, so we were just having a a great time. So they were all, we felt like the little sisters to everybody. Mm -hmm. Even though we were all close in age, they were very protective. They were like our big brothers. They were super protective over us and just made sure that we, we're just treated like princesses. Right on. Right on. Uh, everybody kind of knows Supersonic, and that's kind of your guys' signature <laughs> song. But can you um, uh-huh. talk about some of the other tracks on the album, or ones that stand out for you, or you, you know, think think have stood the test of time? Yeah, we um, we love Dope Intro. Mm. 
and also let's get hyped and i think i think a lot of those songs got overshadowed because we had what we called a pop side and a hip-hop side mm. so the songs i just mentioned were on the hip-hop side and then on the pop side was like is it love way out supersonic the more up-tempo and more commercial type right. songs and because those took off so much the kind of the hip-hop side kind of got ignored a little bit mm. so and though and that side actually are some of our favorites are on the hip-hop side other than the like the pop side okay okay so can you talk a little bit about um this kind of pop sound you mentioned very like mm-hmm. electro influenced which was kind of interesting yeah. for the time so when when the west coast was kind of doing a slower uh, mm-hmm. kind of thing you guys you know supersonic is like 120 plus right right so like how, yeah how, how did you guys land on on that sound at that particular time i think it was just um because of the way we wrote the lyrics it was more of a a fun song a song that was kind of you know upbeat and positive so i think that's where we decided to make it a faster beat it, it wouldn't have had the same reaction had it been mm-hmm. a slow west coast kind of beat mm-hmm. and being that we were female and dance, we like to dance. We mm. wanted something that we could dance to. Oh, got it. Got it. And you guys, this was the first female rap group to get nominated for a Grammy? Yes, us and Salt and Pepper at the same time. Wow, wow. How, how did that feel at the moment? That, that was amazing. That was absolutely amazing. It was, um, we were young and there was actually a boycott because that oh, was the right. first year that um, rap was in the category and they chose not to televise it. Right. So, the only people that went to the Grammys was us and Kumo D Is and everybody right? else. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> everybody else said, Nope. <laughs> so it was public, public enemy, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, salt and pepper. Right. Um, those three didn't show up. Wow. Oh, did you ever get any like blowback from that? Were anybody critical? Of the um, fact you showed up? We did at the time, but we didn't care. And, and <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad that we did because you have to remember like, that's something that you have to think like that may never happen again. And yeah. it didn't. Yeah. So it's like, so what the heck would we have, we would have felt so stupid. Like now saying, Oh yeah, we were nam- nominated for a Grammy, but we didn't go <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, right. and you were never nominated again. So you just missed that entire experience. Right. So that, and we were, and we were young, so we didn't understand the impact of mm. what they were trying to say and we don't fault them at all because they were more conscious they were they were you know they kind of that east coast thing they kind of bonded together mm-hmm. and we were the only west coast group that was nominated oh, and man. so we were i don't know we just kind of felt like they don't care if we go or not we're not even a part of them you know what i mean right so but i under, like they i think some of them understood our side but we totally understood theirs too mm. but if we had to do it all over again i think we probably would have done the same thing no, no, I, I, I totally feel you on that. Yeah. Uh, you guys, you mentioned Arabian Prince a little bit earlier. I feel like he's kind mm-hmm. of, uh, maybe his place in hip-hop in that scene is not quite understood. Can you kind of talk about um, what his role was in your group, and your kind of career, and um, just like where he stood uh, bridging the gap between NWA and the electro sound and just kind of his story a little bit? Yeah, he um, he was the first one to work with us very first and so actually the you know the sound from supersonic did come from arabian prince Mm. and like i said when dre got it he just put his little tweak on it you know but we give him credit because he's been down with us from the very beginning and he's actually our dj to this day oh wow so yeah when we do live shows arabian prince is our dj 
so so it's like you know we he does get overshadowed because of the whole Dre thing, super producer, everything. But they they did it together with with DJ Yella. You know, every, it's like a collective kind mm-hmm. of thing. But since Dre has the name, right. he gets the credit. You know what I mean? Sure. But we credit we credit all three of them. Mm, that's cool. So speaking of credit, um, there was the the 2015 NWA biopic, of mm-hmm. which you guys are not in at all. Uh, right. And kind of seeing as how you had the, the real first hit on Roofless, you know, it, it could be said that you helped pave the way for the success uh-huh. that came later. Uh-huh. Do you feel right. kind of like you haven't gotten your group didn't get the proper due in terms of, of your impact there? Um, I don't I, I couldn't tell you exactly why I could tell you what we think could have mm. been the reason. And what we think is the reason is because. That movie was about NWA and their image and their hardcore and, you know, about them. And I think if they would have brought us into that, it kind of would have softened that image. Hmm. And I don't think that's what they wanted to portray in that movie. Okay. But is it upsetting? Yeah, because that is an integral part of the story. Right. Sure. And I'm so thankful that Dre did the Defiant Ones. Yeah, because right. that's when he admitted right then he was like, "They're record funded in WA's album," and he says it straight out. Actually, we use that as an intro on our show. We oh, we play nice. that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's it was disappointing because like we went to the movie totally expecting to be somewhere oh, really? even even just mentioned like we cause there was a part on there was a pool scene, and Jerry was saying, "Hey, don't worry about it. We still have." Bone Thugs, we still have the DOC, <laughs> we still have Michelle, and it still didn't mention us. And I mean, that would have taken two seconds to say. Right. Uh, okay. So sure. why wouldn't you put it right there? You know, it doesn't have to be. You didn't have to put it like in the story. But when he started rolling off names of people on Ruthless, that would have been the perfect spot, and it would have took two seconds. Right. Right. So yeah, it was disappointing, but you know, it is what it is. Um, so Jerry Heller's kind of the villain of the movie, and we grew up mm-hmm. li- listening to Ice Cube, and like you know, kind of right. th- have always had that impression as well. You you knew him, and he kind of helped you with your career. Do you want to like? Can you talk about him a little bit, and just like what your experiences were? Yeah. Um, first of all, we had no bad experiences with Jerry. Mm. Um, we loved him. He was like Daddy Jerry. I mean, he was really good to us and yes we were young and yes we really didn't know a whole lot about contracts and all that kind of stuff so if we were being taken advantage of we had no clue right looking back i just really don't see that everything that we you know everything was itemized everything was drawn out of what you know he took what we got you know so i didn't see any evidence of that but like i said like we were so young like baby d was 15 oh my goodness so yeah so it's like we don't know Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, you know, it's hard to know. I don't think that we got taken advantage of, but I, I couldn't tell you absolutely 100% sure that we didn't. Right. But as far as the relationship with him was never negative. We loved Jerry and we still spoke with him till the day he passed away. Wow. wow. That's very that's very interesting to hear. Wow. Um, yeah. You know, um in the um 
in the Defiant ones, there was so much incredible footage of you guys in the studio. Um, yes. Did you? Yes. Uh, what, did you? Ha did you realize there was like a cameraman even there, or was it? You know what I mean? It, it just seemed like no. so f fly on the wall. How did that? How did that? It happen? was. You know, I have. I had never seen those that footage before ever. Oh wow! So when that came out, I was like, "That's incredible." I don't remember it being shot. I mm. don't remember anything about it. Um, so where they got that, I have no idea. It's the, Asian <laughs> guy, the Asian guy that's standing behind them in one of the shots. And I forget his name. And I hate that because he was always around ruthless. And I think he's the one that actually was shooting the foot, the, the footage. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. I forget his name. I wish I could give him his props, but I forget his <laughs> name. He, he was, he was always around ruthless. And he, I, I kind of remember him always having a camera or camcorder, those real big bulky ones that we used to have all the time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because that, that's even so. before like camcorders were a thing thing. That was yeah. really right. expensive. It was exactly. Early. <laughs> exactly. Wow. So yeah, but it was, you know, it looks so genuine, you know, mm -hmm. like you, you could tell that it wasn't done for a camera. Right. 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 No, Do you know what I mean? The vibe the seemed real. Right. Right. So that's why I love it. Mm, that's awesome. So this is the 30th anniversary. Um, <laughs> you guys are, are touring. You're, you're still heavy on the on the freestyle circuit. Like, mm -hmm. tell us about what's going on now with with JJ Fed. Um, we are just going out doing shows, which is what we absolutely love to do. Mm. We're, um, trying to do, you know, we might, we're thinking about going back in the studio and doing some new music. We're not mm -hmm. sure if we want to do that because we're having so much fun on the road. Mm. <laughs> right. So, and it's really hard. And then this is being totally honest. I, if you could name one person from our era, female that has come back and made a successful comeback, right. there's none, right. there's none. Right. right. Salt and pepper tried it. Didn't work. MC right. Light tried it, didn't work. Right. Everybody's tried to do an updated, you know, version of them, and nobody's biting. So I, you know, I don't even know if it's worth the time. Right. If mm. people are gonna, you know, take to it or just be like, oh, that's old school. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Right. Do you, so do, you I, do you think that's like uh, a product of where women are at in hip hop right now? Because there's definitely a, re a resurgence of female voices in the genre. But right. you know, the, the subject matter is is different from for J.J. Fad, let's say. Way different, <laughs> way different. And I don't think that, you know, we wouldn't come back like that because that's not who we are. Right. Right. But we could totally emulate the like the trap sound or right. you know skirt skirt. I mean, like, <laughs> but I just don't oh, know how to hit right there. That's not who we are. So I, you know, I don't know if it would even if we tried to change it up. I just don't think it would be genuine, so I just don't. Yeah. I just don't think yeah. it would work. So I, I'm uh, here I mean, for a trap supersonic. I'm just <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna put that energy in the universe and uh, <laughs> see see what happens with that. Well, we're we're right. so grateful that you could come on and talk to us. Um, you know, obviously we we love your work and uh, we appreciate you joining us here on the Dead by the Rat Pod. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. <laughs>